0: Oh, hey. This is a journey into sound, a journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value, and a new experience. I'm looking at him and he's scared he's scared of me i see kids when they see me in uniform go out of their way just to say to the top of their lungs i hate the police can't stand the police they used to love us what happened i heard a bullhorn and it said pull over
1: And the first thing out of their mouth was what are you doing here what are you doing here what are you doing here, you doing here? i said excuse me and i said why did you stop me and he said because we're stopping anyone who looks like they're not from this neighborhood law enforcement officers have been the face of oppression to far too many of our fellow citizens. This dark side of our shared history has created a
0: generational, almost inherited mistrust. Racial profiling is so dangerous because we dehumanize each other. Quite a bit of what we worry about today when we talk about bias has to do with perception. People have looked at African Americans as being stronger, more violent. So the enemy uniform became the colors of their
1: skin. Like a bad dude, too.
0: Shots fired! Ooh, Three, two, one. We have shots fired. We have one suspect down. It's always reaching for your waistband, making up probable cause, creating reasonable suspicion, resisting. A fear for my life.
1: I walk the streets of my own neighborhood, and I'm chased and hounded, persecuted, have guns drawn on me.
0: You know, men and women feeling the need to kill somebody because they frightened them is outrageous. After an interaction with the Howard County police in 2012 that he found deeply troubling, filmmaker A.J. Lee says he was motivated to address the relations between police and the African-American community. So what did A.J. do? He teamed up with Elroy Weber, a Maryland Institute of College of the Art alumnus and cinematographer who previously worked on an Oscar award winning documentary with Ali as director and Weber as director of photography. They produce Walking While Black, L-O-V-E, Love is the Answer, which discusses bridging the gap in police community relations throughout America. The acronym L-O-V-E or LOVE coined by Ali is to encourage people to learn about others in their community, open their heart to them, volunteer to be part of the solution in their life, and empower others to do the same. The Solutions Focus documentary was completed uh, and features over thirty interviews with members of communities from across the country. I would like to welcome my friend, my brother, AJ Ali, to the sound bombing family. What's happening, brother? How are you doing? Hey, doctor. How are you doing? I'm I'm
1: doing great out here in
0: Santa Monica. Oh man, don't rub it in, man. Thank you for uh, joining <laughs> us uh, in the bombs in the bomb shelter, man. Um, man. So we got a lot to talk about. The last time. I saw you and the first time I saw the film was at the Congressional Black Caucus hosted by my mentor. I'm proud to say one of the dopest, uh, one of the dopest congressmen in office right now, Congressman Elijah Cummings. He hosted he hosted you uh, at the Congressional Black Caucus last year to a packed house um, to an amazing panel to come and see this film walking while black man so thank you for coming on so you know in in the introduction i talked about your inspiration was because you were pulled over in 2012 was there something prior to that that also sort of said hey this is an opportunity to put a film out about uh what's happening in the black community
1: well you know how it is man if you're if you're a black man in america you're gonna experience racial profiling from the time you start going to school until you go to your grave and i'm I'm 54 now, so this happened in Howard County where I was stopped by police for walking in my own neighborhood when I was 48. Right, that yeah. I I had experienced uh, other family members from a young age, you know, being being profiled and treated bad by police. It started for me when I was 16 when I got my driver's license, and the first stop was a guy pulling me over saying that I was. Uh, too close to the center line, not, not touching it, not over it, just too close to it. And, uh, he wound up letting me go, not writing a, a ticket or giving me a warning for anything because he didn't have anything on me. But every decade after that, man, I've been through stuff just like, you know, most every other black man or woman in America. But in 2012, when I was stopped for walking in my own neighborhood, uh, that, that was the last straw for me. And that was after. Uh, Trayvon Martin had been killed. It was before a lot of the other stuff that we've seen on the news. And, and I just knew that, that at that point, I had to, I had to do something more than just complain about it or joke about it with my friends or, or cry about it in, in private. I had to do something. So it changed my
0: life. Man, you went beyond doing something, brother. Most people will do what you just said. They'll joke about it. They'll, they'll, they may write a letter. They may complain to family members. But man, very few people will go beyond what you did. I mean, you, not even just writing a book, man, you produced, directed a film, man. You know, how, how did it feel, first of all, to see the final production of the film? Cause we're going to talk about the process, but what was, what was your emotion when you saw? Cause I know about it. I know the feeling of sitting in an editing bay is different from just being in the editing bay all night. You probably was drinking coffee, eating unhealthy food like most of us in these editing bays. But when you <laughs> saw it on the big screen, man, tell me how did that feel well first of all man i i stay away from the unhealthy stuff so i might have had some horchatas and some kombuchas
1: man, but oh there we go i didn't <laughs> yeah but you know so the process as you as you know you know all too well right it's um it, making a film is one is percent glamour and 99 percent grit and uh and frustration and pain and and, uh, so we, we really spent a lot of time, thousands of hours, uh, shooting, editing, pouring over, uh, every shred of information and, and, uh, you know, all of that with my great team, Errol Weber did a, a fantastic job as DP and, you know, the sound and lighting and everything was off the chain because of him. And, and, uh, we, we had so many other great folks, Lydia Hall, who's also a Micah grad, who was uh, our editor for first time. Uh, editing a feature film and she knocked it out of the park. And, you know, we, I just, I thank them. I thank my whole team for great work that they did, but I also got to give all credit to God because I wanted to make a really, really angry film. You know, I, when, when all this happened to me and I reported it to the Howard County NAACP and, and internal affairs, and then I became a target by that police department, my wife and I for a year after that, um, I wanted to make a very angry film to get a lot of people fired and God didn't let me make that film. So two and a half years into the process, everything changed for me when I was sitting on the beach in Hawaii and the Holy Spirit just downloaded the the whole love is the answer uh, message and mandate to me to, uh, to rise above that and and let go of the fear and the anger. And and so we were able to use those guiding principles while we were making the film and everybody was on track and it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, and I'm sure the hardest thing that some of the other people on my team had been involved with. Uh, but but we got through it. With wound up making a very beautiful, heartfelt film that's transforming lives now, and I'm so happy that we we came to that place.
0: Well, sound bombing is about healing, and you know when we talk about bomb, B A L M I N G, we're talking about healing and i'm so glad to hear you sort of reference your spirituality but then also say that you admit you had to admit that you wanted to make an angry film that you were you were enraged like most of us are and quite often when we yeah. use rage as the forefront uh we don't get anything done i mean quite often i mean anger sometimes can push you in the right and the wrong direction but I'm glad that you sat back you relaxed I like how you just rubbed it in my face like I was in Hawaii uh, hanging out on the beach uh, the spirit just spoke to me yeah I'm sure the spirit. Yeah, if you're in Hawaii a whole bunch of things are probably speaking to you brother. but I'm glad you know whatever it was whatever we call that and you called it what it is God or spirit that it spoke to you and it gave you the, the forefront to actually uh, to give you the language uh, to then direct this amazing film you know what what a, you know before we get into the film and we talk about you know police brutality what were some of your roadblocks did you face when starting out on this on this particular project well uh <laughs> i found out who my friends were so wow. uh when i was yeah when i
1: was talking with people and i don't care whether they were black or white um i would find out real quick who who wanted to be involved in change and, and who was afraid of this subject and you know, just the title that we came up with and, and the title was very simply walking while black, because that's what I experienced, right. And, and, and I, I was seeing other incidents of that. So when we would say walking while black and people would turn and run in the other direction, which of those three words scared them so much that they would say, I, I can't be involved with that. Right. Walking, wild, or black. And therein lies the problem in America.
0: Wow. So when, while filming um, this particular project, what are some things that you discovered that you didn't expect to discover?
1: Oh, boy. I, I, I didn't expect to discover the, the depth of pain in this country. We all know there's racism. We all know there's bias, but this country has, it's not a new thing. It's not because people have phones now with cameras. This has been going on since the very beginning of the, of the annihilation of, of native Americans and, and, the, and, and the slavery of and importation of, of blacks against their will to this country. This is in the DNA in the fabric of America. You know, when people talk about making America great again, uh, look, I was born here, I love this country, I served in the military, but if you look at the devastation, America's never been great. America has wasted uh, so much of its resources and the greatest resources of all its people. And so I didn't expect to, to find the, the level, the depth of, of, of racism and devastation and pain in this country that... That I found out that from 2012 until now, my eyes have been opened so wide, and and I my, my, look—I was woke before them, but when I dove into the deep end of this subject, uh, to realize that, that bias has has permeated every cell of this country, and we we got so far to go, and there's so many people that want to keep us from progressing. We we all have to stand up and fight. There's no there's there's no excuse for someone not being in the fight. We cannot afford for people to be on the sidelines with this.
0: And so what do you want people to walk out of the the, um, theater to do? Or how do you want them to feel once they leave from watching uh, this great film, Walking While Black? Because most documentaries have a call to action. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, um, there have been a lot of documentaries on the subject of racism and, and they're very, very powerful. You know, I'm not sure, Negro, powerful, must see. Great, great. 13th, powerful, must see. Yeah, man, you know, Selma. I mean, Ava knocked it out of the park with, with the work that she's doing, right? But, um, look, I, I don't want people to just, uh, become angry or, 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 or march for something and, 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 and just end it there. I want people to, to leave seeing my film. With a feeling of a, I have to do something, and B, I have to do something with a spirit of love. And we, we, we kind of pattern the film after those four principles. And I want people to leave there thinking, okay, I've, I've got to build bridges. I've got to, I've got to find ways to bring truth and reconciliation into my community. And I hope that if they see it in a theater or at, at an event like the CBC, which I, I, I thank God for, Congressman Cummings with all of his support, having hosted two screenings and, and just the amazing work that he does every single day on our behalf. I hope that people leave an event like that and then say, you know what, I've got to show this film in my home to my neighbors and invite a police officer from my community to come sit down with us and have, have dinner and watch the film and then have a discussion over coffee and dessert and let's change things together. Let's learn and grow uh, together and we call those guests who's coming to dinner. That's, that's the title that we give in those events. And the, the guess who is not Sydney Portier, but <laughs> the guess who is <laughs> the guess who in this instance is a cop, right? Because we're, we're having discussions in silos. Police are talking by themselves. We're talking by ourselves. Let's get people together in a safe setting and, ha- and watch the film and have, have break bread and have a discussion. Uh, together and that's what i hope they do after they see this thing
0: so speaking about getting people together i know some of the people that mm-hmm. are in the film one guy i have a lot of respect for you know melvin russell how were you able yeah. to get those individuals who are featured in the documentary or the film rather to sit down with you and openly have a conversation what was it about those people <laughs> you know
1: you know, Melvin and I—we we go back to uh, when I was uh, uh, producing and starring in the show *Goodfellas* of Baltimore, uh, you know, on Fox in, in Baltimore, and, and so I met him during the during the filming of, of that, and we became friends. And so, when when what what happened to me in Howard County, when that happened, I would call Melvin and and ask him things like, "Man, why are you all so crazy? Why are you guys doing this kind of stuff to us?" And and he wouldn't respond when when I was really angry. He would just kind of change the subject a little bit, and then he'd give me some advice. And you know how he is, right? You know he'll he'll talk you down from from being in the wrong place. And so he he didn't get involved. You know he was always there for me, but he didn't get involved. And and he was always the guy that I would reach out to. And when I was like ready to hurt somebody, because there was a long time where I I was ready to go after these guys because. They were threatening, you know, me and my family at that point. And uh, he was he was always the one who let me know just by who he was that all cops weren't bad, that there was some hope. And that's why I kept going back to him because I kept testing him. And that's why he's in the film. And that's why hes I consider him one of my closest brothers on earth today uh, because, you know, he's part of the reason why this film is impacting people in, in all over the country now.
0: Out of out of all the cases that you sort of cover throughout the film, which one of those cases just was like jaw dropping to you? Out of all the cases and all the things that you featured in there, you know which one just sort of just like wow, I can't believe that this happened.
1: Oh man, that would have to be Andrew and Jamel, brother. Um, so talk about that. Uh, yeah. So um, Andrew Collins
0: is a is a white guy,
1: former cop. Uh, he framed Jamel McGee on a drug charge that, you know, Jamel didn't do anything, he, he, but he got framed by Andrew and Jamel got a 10 year sentence. And this is in uh Michigan a little town called Benton Harbor. And so, uh, four and a half years into the sentence, um, Andrew got caught by the FBI on, on a bunch of stuff. Right. And, uh, he fessed up to, to the point where I think it was like 60 or 65 cases, uh, got thrown out and, and Jamel was released from prison as andrew is going into prison so andrew wound up getting a four four and a half year sentence and he did like a year and a half and then got released and so a few years later they're both back there in benton harbor and all this time jamel was thinking when i see this guy i'm
0: going to kill him and now, jamel, he's he let me wow correct he's the one that was locked up correct mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. that's right that's right and so uh When he finally bumped into him at a park, uh,
1: he had his, Jamel had his little son with him. And, um, he forgave Andrew that day. And, uh, they wound up running into each other again when Jamel was going for a job. And Andrew was working at this place. And Andrew was assigned to him as his mentor. And, and Jamel had a choice and he went ahead and chose to accept him as his mentor, they became good friends, and they, they reconciled, you know? And now they're going around the country uh, teaching people about reconciliation. And we we kind of closed the film out with their story, because in my opinion, if Jamel can forgive Andrew, anyone can forgive. You know, and, and that's a powerful story there, and that's it's people really need to see the film if not for anything else. To see that to see that story of those two guys who are brothers now.
0: Yeah, I mean, so you you have the you have the black guy, the white guy. You have the white guy, the officer, the, the you know the black guy from the neighborhood. Um, I mean, when you're talking about forgiveness, I mean that is a great example on film of humanity at its best. And you know, the Dalai Lama said it better best when he says, "Love is the absence of judgment." that this brother who was incarcerated because I were watching this, it moved me says, and I'm not going to judge you. And I think, you know, because of his, I think the, the most beautiful lesson is what his son was there to see all of this take place. Because again, our children are, are observ are observing every move that we make, everything that we're doing. And I think by adding that to the film, you gave it a piece of humanity that we don't see a lot in film making as much. You made it real. You made it tangible. Um, and then to see now that these two individuals are now traveling all over the country, having these conversations uh, and then allowing the healing to take place, because there's so much pain in our community, this fear of police officers. I mean, you think about it, you know, when we were children uh, you would hear people say like, AJ, your uncle would be like, you know, AJ, if you don't stop, I'm going to call the police. Think, I mean, think about that. What, what does that say? That me as your uncle, AJ, I can't control you. But if I say I'm going to call the police, now I'm putting fear in your heart. And I think, um, brother Melvin Russell mentioned this. He says, we used to be the good guys. Now when I put my uniform on, now I'm the bad guy. Um, it's, it's my hope. And I'm sure it's your hope that this film, would do what you just said, create a dialogue. The only way that healing can take place is that people need to sit down, old school, break bread, have conversations with one another about this healing and about this process because that's the only way. We we Music is not doing it, and I love music. Uh, TV is not doing it, but the old school sitting down in individuals' houses and or in a common place where we can have these conversations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Um, you know,
0: there,
1: there's so many stories I could, I could tell, but, um, and there, you know, if you look at some of the work done by Paul McCartney, for example, or Stevie wonder, you know, there's music has great healing power when used in the right way, but let's face it. A lot of the stuff that's put out today and for a long time, uh, has been putting people into a state of mind that's hostile and, and, and 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 just you know hurting people in many ways, video games and and movies and TV and and others uh, forms of media, same thing. So we have a responsibility as filmmakers, as journalists, to uh, to help shape and guide you know people in a certain way. And we we're, we're proud of the work that we've done because it is getting people to, to think, okay, you know maybe this love thing can work, you know maybe. I can let go of, of my hate, you know, my hatred. Maybe I, I don't have to, uh, you know, treat people uh, badly when they treat me bad. We had a 15-year-old kid in Watts come to Mark Adams, one of my associate producers, and tell him after a screening at a high school there that he's hated cops his whole life until that day, until he had a chance to see the film and producers who were there who spent time with him afterwards. And he said from that day forward, he was going to be a positive change, that he was going to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And we've got to see more of that.
0: Yeah, and and I I guess that's a great way to sort of sum up this conversation is that, you know, you've touched not only just thousands of lives, but a young brother who who, um, was struggling with the police. I mean, when you talked about anger, I have to admit, 1988 was my theme song, a group out of california where you are right now nwa F the police i was feeling that mm. anger and i come from my dad was a police officer in chicago and i know the feeling of of being pulled over and not, walking while black sleeping while black eating while black and so when that song came out you know i was i was chanting that because it made a lot of sense and then fast forward there's a song out by bruce springsteen called American skin, 41 shots. It's about the the shooting of Amadou Diallo, a, a brother who was from another country who stood in the vestibule and was shot 41 times. And so it's important for us to have these conversations to create some healing because I know, AJ, when I was young, man, that police thing, NWA was my theme song. But then as I got older and I started to say, well, law enforcement wants to get home safe and the children wants to get home safe. Well, we need to sort of bridge the gap. And then I, I, then I did this activity called the truth about cops and hip hop, where I talked about how we need to work together, how we need to heal together. And this film now is, is, is a piece that I'm using in some of my talks where I, where I use some of the snippets to say, Hey, this is what's happening across the country. This brother is using his medium, this film to have these conversations. And so I think that you're right on, brother. You're going to be forever busy because as long as who we, as long as the person is in office right now, Uh, stays in office and as long as that spirit of hate and hatred um, your film uh, is going to be needed more and more and I just hope you are prepared to continue these dialogues and these conversations what's next with the film and what's next with AJ Ali
1: you know we're we're not done with this we're we're rolling out workshops uh, a conference we did our first conference in Syracuse in the fall we've got six different formats for our workshop ranging from an hour to to six weeks long. Uh, we're, doing, we're doing a lot of training. So people who have seen the film, we need to get them into our training courses. We're also training trainers and, uh, and we're training community organizers. So we're going deep and we're going to be at this for as long as it, it takes for, the, for our society to, uh, to change and go in another direction, a direction of love.
0: Well, man, that is a great way to end the show, man. Um, so how could people get in contact with you Uh, A.J., and how could they see the film? Thank
1: you. Uh, So um, they can see the film at walkingwhileblackthemovie.com. That's walkingwhileblackthemovie.com. My contact information is there. There's also a movement site that we created. They go to uh, trylovenow.com and see how they can get involved in uh, in different things. So uh, there you go.
0: Well, man, much success to you. Uh, thank you for doing this film. Thank you for being bold. I love the fact that you are doing workshops across the country and just not showing a film because just a film by itself without a dialogue is not as strong. So thank you uh, for joining us to sound bombing. I also want to thank my producer, Darius Wilmore and Supremacy for our theme music. And as always, believe that something wonderful is about to happen and that some people miss the message because they are too busy looking for the mistake. This is your man, Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields. And thank you. You've been listening to Sound Bombing.